Hey everyone, it's Chris and you are in for a huge treat today. Joe Marcoux was one of my first sales coaches ever back when I was selling treadmills. And what he taught me improved not just how many treadmills I could sell, but he also taught me a lot about how to run a business. For example, how to put customers first. One of the first questions Joe asked me back when we were selling these treadmills was, what time is your store open in the day? Then I said, oh, it's open nine till six, Joe. And he said, why? Why are you open nine till six? when the people who want to buy expensive treadmills and want to come to your store work from nine until six and they can't come in. And I said, well, I, I don't know. I, you know, I hedged around and finally I said, Joe, it's because I don't wanna work from six till nine in the morning and then five until nine o'clock at night. Hilariously, after I opened a gym, those really became my hours. And of course it was different when I was working for myself. But Joe's message was basically like, find out what your clients want and just do that if you want to get ahead. Today, that message is going to be carried through. Now, this call is all about sales training and what gym owners need to do. But the bottom line is that it's our duty to save lives and get people fit. And part of that means facing the uncomfortable truth that you're going to have to convince people to get fit, that they're not just going to come to that realization on their own. You're going to have to convince them to spend money. That's not just going to be obvious to them. And you're going to have to overcome their squirming little lizard brain that objects to spending money on themselves. What we're doing is not just taking their money. What we're doing is convincing them that they are worth it, that it's important for them to spend money on their lives. Now, that takes commitment from you as a coach and a gym owner. It takes practice to get good at it, and it takes a shift in mindset so that you're not feeling like this stereotypical image of a used car salesman. After all, we're selling something that's with, you know, in the right hands is the most important thing in their lives. We have to get good at that. Today, Joe's going to tell us how to do that. You're going to love this guy. You're going to love this interview. Welcome to True Brain Radio. I'm your host, Chris Cooper, here every week with the best of the fitness industry. Got a sec? We would love to hear from you. I write emails to my mailing list every day, and it's a highlight when somebody takes the time to respond. If you've got feedback on my show or a guest you'd like to hear on Two Brain Radio, email podcast at twobrainbusiness.com. And don't forget to subscribe to Two Brain Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Joe Marku, welcome to Two Brain Radio. Thank you so much, Chris Cooper. It is great to be here. Yeah, man, I, I'm thrilled uh, to have you here, and we're going to learn a ton of stuff today, too. Um, as I said in the intro, you know, Joe was one of my first sales coaches ever, but the stuff that he taught me was uh, more about how to run a business than it was about just how to sell stuff. And so we're going to take a deep dive into that here. But Joe, maybe we should start with just what's your bio and experience? You know what? I started off in uh, the, um, the, the world of fitness equipment and exercise equipment sales back in 1989. And um, I... I just had a thing where even, even in grade school, I had a thing where I was, I knew that I was going to be involved either in physical fitness, um, possibly being in, in some kind of educational aspect, but I also had a, 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 a penchant, as we say in French, a penchant for, um, for business. In fact, it was, it, it was literally in eighth grade. I did a business work, work experience as being a physical educator as, as, like a phys ed teacher. And I knew right then and there, okay, well, this is not where I want to be. I don't want to work in, 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 in schools. And I definitely wanted to be in business, but I had this thing where I loved exercise, sports and helping people fast forward into, um, 
after my first year of university, I got the opportunity to go and work in a specialty exercise equipment fitness store. And then two years later, um, I decided to open up my very own at the age of 20, which I think of that, that now I have children today that are in their twenties and I can't <laughs> fathom the idea of them opening up a business. Um, but I was 20 years old and I opened up a business. And but then by the age of 25, um, I did a merger with a um, company called Fitness Depot. And at the time they only had seven stores across Canada. And we quickly went from seven to 38 in roughly 18 months. And so I learned in that, in that time frame, you know, what was good and what was bad. And obviously, I mean, I'd owned my own business for five years. So, I mean, and I was making way, way too much money for my own good as a young person, honestly, like at 22, the, the amount of money I was making was ridiculous. But what I learned, and I was selling products that I personally could not afford myself. And that's something that a lot of people, and even today, when I'm doing training with, with some people, the, the staff of some of these stores, because they can't afford the products themselves, they can't sell those products. And whatever mental barrier I had back then, it wasn't about that. For me, it was, what's the quality? And I believed, I believed in my heart. And you know, what was my why? I wanted to help people build a quality of life. And, and I want to inspire people. In fact, as I move this, you can see on my vision board to this day, that little piece of paper says, my mission is I inspire and empower people to choose to build a better quality of life through the benefits of total health and exercise. I'm, I've had that up on my vision board whenever I switch my board. That is still a piece of who I am. So whether it's through sales of exercise equipment through health clubs, through electric, now electric bicycles has been a niche that I've really worked at. However, I mean, it's sales that, that in the, in the sense of helping people build a better quality of life, the benefits of exercise. If, if, if I'm working with people that are in that same space or that ecosystem of some kind, it, it matters to me. It resonates with me. I'm going to help people crush their business. So that's basically my background. I've started in retail and then where you and I met after I had sold the shares of my business, um, I, I became a representative for a division of ProCycle Group and they had a company named Bodyguard Fitness. I was their Canadian sales manager. So we met back in 2000, yep. which, yep. Is, which dates us and I've got a little bit of gray in, 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 on the face now. And then... And then after after um, five years with with that company, and the reason I resigned from that company is they changed my commission structure four years out of five. And and Cook, and this is what they said to me. They said, "Joe, you just can't make that kind of money." And for anybody listening or watching this, I would tell you this: as a salesperson, there's literally no reason why you shouldn't be able to make as much money as you want. That's one of the things that I love about the vocation of being a salesperson. If, if your belief and my belief is if I'm helping people with the products and or services that I'm providing through the sales process, then I should be able to make as much money as I want. And that's the beauty of it is that, you know, as I learn to continue to hone my craft and I have coaches of my own, I mean, I pay for people to help me be a better sales trainer and sales coach. And in fact, I, I did a speaking engagement just a little over a month ago, and I had the um, CEO of that company say, "Wait a minute, you mean the coach has a coach?" And it would, and I said, <laughs> "It would be silly for me to say, yeah, you can hire me as your trainer or coach or come over to a workshop, and then yet I don't have 
people helping me be accountable. I mean, I have, I pay somebody a lot of money to put my feet to the fire so I can continue to grow my business. And that's what people do with me. So yeah, after, after everything that I've gone through, I've learned that accountability is by far one of the best ways to grow my business and grow myself as a person. Okay. Well, we're certainly going to come back to that point, Joe. Um, so you mentioned, you know, you got into fitness because you wanted to help people. I think most of our listeners are in that same boat, mm-hmm. but what they didn't count on was like, I'm going to have to convince people that they need fitness. I'm going to have to sell this thing. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so why, why do entrepreneurs need help with sales? You know what? I think, I think most of us as entrepreneurs, we have our hearts in the right place. Um, the, uh, the, the, the unfortunate thing though, is that the, the, the acquisition of this, of the skills of, of selling consistently evolve. And the idea that, oh, well, because I am who I am as a, a, a let's call it a personal trainer or a gym owner or a person who sells exercise equipment. Okay. In, in any of those three examples, um, if you don't learn how to create and define to your leads what your differentiating value is and to be able to vocalize it in such a way where it is persuasive and not manipulative, politely persuasive and influential. So how can I influence someone while I still want to create impact and of course create income? If you don't learn these skills and you don't put a a systemized approach to it, you're just flying by the seat of your pants. And I mean, that that was me in my early 20s. And I quickly found out, thanks to some great lessons from actual customers, that if I built a system, I could template it. And that's how I grew my business back in my 20s to be able to get into you know, the depot, which then they grew the business as a group. We went from seven to 38. You don't do that in 18 months without having systems and being open to change. The entrepreneurs make the mistake because I, I meet with a lot of entrepreneurs, Coop, and they, they'll tell you what, they've been in their their stores or in their personal training facilities, or they've been personal trainers for for years and they, they can't grow because they're working they're working in it and not working on it. And then the, the problem is is that they a lot of people don't even measure their metrics, which if you want me to jump in on that, I'll, I'll I can I'll, I'll, I'll be very quick because I, I there's so much when it comes to sales. A lot of people don't measure the amount of traffic flow that they they have coming in, and the problem with that is is that okay? I mean, just get a counter. If you have a location, how many people walk through the door? Then the next step is if if you're in a, if you're in the electric bike business, the way I say it is, how many people actually test rode the bike? Or mm-hmm. if you own a facility, how many people signed a waiver and came in and did you give them a free trial to try your facility or did you give them a free trial to do some one-on-one with them or a group? If, if, if you count the number of people that walked in and then you count the number of people that actually signed on for a, a free demo, then the next metric of, of the basic three are how many people did you close on the first visit? And then... If you, if you measure that, if you just measure number of people walking in, number of people who demoed, and number of people you closed, you have a baseline. The problem is most entrepreneurs, they don't have a baseline. All they look at is their bottom line of their profit and loss, and they're just looking at, well, this, I, I got this many sales. And then I ask them, well, okay, so what's your, what's your goal for next year? Well, I'm going to grow by 20%. And then it, when I ask the question, how are you going to do that? 
they have no idea. They can't give me a, a, a <laughs> they don't know how. And it's like, okay, well, if, if you've got to drive more traffic, then you've got to get more of these, this, this quality traffic to demo the product. And then you have to ask for the sale. And then within that, there's all these other factors from a sales perspective that if you don't realize that we're always selling, we're always selling. And that's the fun. There's a stigma that we have in it as, as human beings that, oh yeah, you know, salespeople are slimy, they're manipulative. That's not it at all. That's if, if that's your belief, then that's exactly where you're going to be. You're going to be stuck in that belief. And that is unfortunately the biggest problem with entrepreneurs we need to be able to understand that that our job is to help people. If that's where your your headspace is at, selling becomes easier. So you mentioned earlier that you know mindset is actually a huge part of your program, and I think maybe this is the time to dive into that now because a lot of us do have that image of the slimy used car salesman, right? Yeah. When we hear the word sales. Where does that come from, and how do we get over it? So I, I think where where it comes from is. One of the things, one of the exercises that I like to do is I like to, when I start, whether it's Army of One sales training or uh, another program I have is called SOS, which stands for Sales Objection System. One of the things that we do is we we will create a customer avatar. So we go through our customer avatar and I, I pose certain questions that helps the the audience define who their specific customer is. What we end up finding out is most people have had an experience where they've purchased something and regretted it. They have buyer's remorse or they've been um, unfortunately been in a situation where they've been misled and they purchased something that was either a bad investment or a waste of money or something to that effect. And then unfortunately, every salesperson gets lumped into that bad experience and emotions drive memory. So of course, now all of a sudden, you get this emotional response where, hey, I don't want to get stuck with slimy salespeople or back in the day of, of, of you know, car sales. Like everybody thinks the same thing, right? When you think of a slimy salesperson, we immediately see the used car sales salesman or the electronics, um, you know, you go to Future Shop or Best Buy back, Future Shop back in the day or, or Best Buy. Um, you, know, you know, that's, and that, that's truly not the case. And so one of the things that, that as salespeople we have to remember is when emotions go up, intelligence goes down. Hmm. When emotions go up, intelligence goes down. And this is both from the buyer perspective and from the seller perspective. So as a salesperson, I have to remember, I have to be cognizant of the fact that there are going to be times when, A, I have to ask for the sale. And for a lot of people, that's scary. And this is where entrepreneurs make the mistake. Um, and and or their team make a mistake, or any commissioned salesperson can make those that make that error that you know they are they're not emotionally prepared for rejection. And the truth is, it's not a rejection; it's an objection. So there's a difference, right? The average, the average in terms of no, that times that you're going to hear no before you get a yes in most transactions is five. Most people don't even wow. get to one. Wow. Yeah. Most people don't even get to one coop. So what ends up happening is, you know, they, you, you could do a great presentation or demonstration, but you never get to that point where you ask for the sale because, you know, you're crap in your pants. You're too afraid for somebody to say no. And the truth of the matter is no just means no for now. 
because what we're what we need to do is create value. If I, you know, Warren Buffett says value is what you, you know, price is what you pay, value is what you get. So, you know, if 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 I can create more value than than the perception of the price, then the sale gets made. And so, in in the world that you're in specifically, how do you do that? It's about creating relationships, right? It's asking the right questions, showing you care. It's not about the products or the the equipment that you have in the facility. Hell, man, you can have. You have a great, you and I both know you can have workouts with no equipment. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, and great workouts with no equipment. It's just, what's my systematic approach? And then what are the objections that I'm going to, I'm going to end up hearing often? And then having that emotional resilience or having that emotional intelligence to be able to handle it so that I can manage my, my own emotions as a salesperson and have the intelligent response. And this is where everybody screws it up. They screw it up. And I, I'm telling you, I do four to, to eight hour workshops, handling objections. And I'm telling you, people walk out of that and their sales will skyrocket. And I offer hundred percent money back guarantee on that. I mean, you will walk out understanding what your emotional issues of sales are when you walk out of an SOS. So that's interesting, Joe, like all the stuff that I've learned from you, I've never heard you put it that way, which is that we're carrying a lot of emotional baggage as the salesperson into that Correct. interview. Yeah, um, but but also what I love was uh, an objection is not a rejection. I think a lot of us really confuse that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we and and again, it's emotional response. So there are times in our lives where we've maybe even asked a question, whether it was you know it could have been in the classroom in front of a lot an audience of other children, and you asked what would would have been you know maybe a silly question for for the the teacher, and then all of a sudden you get berated publicly and now you're afraid to ask questions again in the future it's it's just the way that we're wired you may have asked somebody out on a date when you were a young teen and now you know i mean knowing what i know now as an adult right i mean we all say this as as we had i known what i know now (laughs) right i would have had way more dates right It's, it's 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 the same thing i mean and and I can tell you, you we will all get more sales just on the on the premise of asking. Never mind knowing the statistics that I'm going to be told no four times or five times before I get to a yes. That's it. It's it, it, and that's the average. I mean, there's some people with a sales cycle is months before they get to a large uh, a large sale. I mean, I've done sales where you know the the, the invoice was just shy of half a million dollars. That doesn't happen in a 30 minute conversation. This is a process. Whereas when somebody's walking through the door, Hey, it's no problem if they say no, it just means no for now. Okay. So, you know, that's a huge barrier to sales is emotional baggage and fear of rejection. Um, Yes. I I think another one is that people believe that the product is just going to sell itself. And I think that I'm probably most guilty of this. Like, Oh, if people come in and they try my class, they're going to understand its value automatically and they're going to sign up or, you know, if I write right. this article for the newspaper, they're going to think I'm an expert and they'll pay money to just be around me. Now, you've in the product side, you've been selling some of the best products in the world for decades now. Like, yes, how how much of that is true that the product sells itself? Or that's that's a, and it, you know what? It's a great it's a great statement. Um, when you combine when you combine, you know, I'll put it to you this way: you can have excellent product and bad people. Yeah. And your sales aren't going to be all that great. You can have phenomenal people 
and mediocre product. And it's not going to be all that great either. When you have the best of both worlds. So of course, if your product in your case, being a class and or training systems and or um, um, nutrition and, and training programming, which of course is an acquired skill, when your skill level is super high and your your emotional intelligence and, and sales approach are super high and you're a good person, you care about people. I mean, I go back to Start With Why by Simon Sinek and, and, and you know, on my new book that's coming out, that's my first chapter. What is your why? When your why resonates with the, with the why of your customer or your prospect and your product is awesome. I mean, yeah, through the uprights, you're, you, you've got a winning combination. So the product that will not sell itself because people buy from people. And, and again, I'll, I'll use Simon Sinek of, uh, as the example, people don't buy what you sell. They buy why you sell it. People don't buy what you sell. That's your excellent product. They buy why you sell it. So if you you are the why, right? Because you're bringing that passion, that energy, that social aspect, the community to your facility. That, that's it, those are some of the intangibles. I mean, in the in the in the bicycle world, for example, somebody could come in and look at a bike. What they don't see at point of purchase in the retail stores, they, they don't see the after sales service. They don't see the opportunity to go out on group rides, the social community. They don't see that at point of purchase. You have to be able to define that and create that differentiating value. Otherwise, tell you what, somebody could go online and just click an order and get it delivered in a couple of hours, right? And that's, that's the differentiating value that you need to understand how to define and explain eloquently without taking up too much time. Because that's the other thing too. We need to be able to. When I look at the the ability that that these devices, these mobile devices that we have, and I can literally order anything that I want to my heart's desire and have it delivered within two hours to two days by clicking, and I can make that decision to purchase literally within seconds. We need to be also take your sales time and time collapse it, and that's another part that salespeople tend to talk too much as opposed to asking the right question. Entrepreneurs, yes. entrepreneurs will, will tell, 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 and telling is not selling. Selling is truly asking the right questions, right? Yes. Uh, so everybody in the Two Brain group, even listeners to this podcast who are not in Two Brain, I'm sure you've heard me say, stop barfing on people. I got that <laughs> phrase from Joe because somebody would walk in the door and they would see this $3,000 treadmill Right. And I would think like, oh, the product sells itself. And they would say, why is this $3,000 when I can go to Sears and buy it for 1100 And I would just go through the spec sheet in my brain. I'd vomit all over them for an hour and then they'd leave and go buy it from Sears. So tell us more about that, Joe. Like, tell us more about that mistake. Telling is not selling. You know what? It, when, 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 the, when you're looking at wanting to sell, whether it's the, your, your product or your service, think of it from this perspective. And, and we get caught up in it because what ends up happening is the customer asks you a question and as a professional and as an expert and somebody who's passionate about the service and or product that you're offering, you jump in in telling them what the product differences are. And now you're going what versus what. And if I'm going this product, which is a quality product versus the product that you saw at a different store or online, what versus what is spec versus spec. And now it's just a race to the bottom. And you know who wins the race to the bottom? Nobody. 
So when somebody asks you a question, the key here is to acknowledge and then ask a question so that you can take control of the conversation. So if somebody says, why would I go, why would I buy or why would I join your facility? The answer, the answer to that would be, well, I can appreciate that you're doing your, your research or you can say, hey, you know what? I appreciate the fact that you're asking that question. How important is it for you to have great results? And what I've done is I've acknowledged and then I've asked a question. And now they're going to say something to the effect of, well, it is important for me to have great results. And then it'd be so, okay, so is this your first time in our facility? How did you hear about us? Because these are marketing questions and metric questions that you can measure. And then have you ever had the opportunity to have an experience within our facility yet? Clearly, if it's your first time here, you haven't. So are you ready to try? And using the word try gives them the impression that they can, you know, make a, they can return the product or they don't have to necessarily join. So you know what? Why don't you just give us a try? Does that sound good? And I'm asking questions. So in the case of, for example, where you want to show off your expertise because you do know everything there is to know about, let's say, the example of the treadmill, and you start barfing specs, the real key would be, was this your first time in the store? How'd you hear about us? You ever tried this treadmill before? You know what? Just for fun, that those three words are my baby. Just for fun, hop on this. I want you to try this. Okay, you ready to try this? Yeah, okay, press that button right there and get them to do it and get them involved. Right, because one of the, 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 the key things to, to learning, you know, tell me and I'll forget, show me and I might remember, involve me and I'm going to understand. So I can show somebody how to do a squat or work with a kettlebell. But when I get them to pick up the damn kettlebell and get them to start swinging it, that's where they're going to start understanding how to do it and say, like, okay, wait, we're going to pivot here, we're going to adjust this and say, you know, it's the same thing in the sales process. I'm going to get people involved. And how do you do that? Ask questions. Don't tell them about your product. Ask questions because they already have the answers. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Um, there was a, a great book called Built to Sell uh, a couple of years ago uh, where Dan Pink said, hey, like your, your clients coming in, they already have all the knowledge. For, for sure they do. Yeah. For sure they do. I've, had, I've, had, I've been in stores where people would say, why would I buy this one when I can get this one online for half the price? And that, that just opens up the what versus what. And so, you know, if you buy it online, you can't get any service. And it's, it's like, wait a minute, you know, you, you can't, as opposed to saying that, you could, you could say, hey, you know what? I appreciate that you, again, acknowledge, ask a question. Mr. Customer, I totally appreciate that you're doing your research. And I think that's great. Let me ask you, how important is after sales service to you? And they have to answer the question. And for anybody who is purchasing a product, service is, is, is generally a critical component. In fact, they've come into your place of business because they want you to convince them to buy local, right? And then it's, 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 it, it, it's just like, why would, why, would I, why would I join your facility when I could buy this uh, program online and just do it following YouTube? It's like, wow, are you kidding me? In my mind, that's, that's where I'm going. And it's like, hey, you know what? I appreciate the fact that you're interested in getting into some type of exercise and some type of fitness. How important is it for you to be able to have a community of people that are going to be there and share the energy and lift you up and make sure that they're, you're accountable to coming back every time you're supposed to work out? Now, are you aware that accountability is a way for you to maximize your results? I mean, we already know the answer is yes. But if I told them, you know, you know, the, 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 it's oh. it, it put, if, if you come across as defensive, 
it comes, it truly comes across as offensive, right? It's like when somebody says, well, your, your, your product's too expensive. Most people will react because they're emotionally attached to their, their belief, which is your product is great. So the reaction is, what are you comparing it to? And that comes off as offensive. And as opposed to saying, Hey, you know what? Thanks for letting me know how you feel cool. Right. Acknowledge, then ask the question, what are we comparing it to? And notice I didn't say, what are you comparing it to? I'm making this, instead of being exclusive, I'm, I'm saying, what are we comparing it to? And that shift of just one word makes all the difference. Have you ever, let me ask you this, Chris, have, what, what has more power? Thanks. I appreciate it. Or thanks. I appreciate you. Oh, the latter. Right. One word, all the difference. And in sales, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because most listeners to this podcast probably are selling the most expensive, you know, exercise program in town. They're not selling a $12 a month access piece. <laughs> Good. And so that price objection is one that actually does come up a lot. Yeah. Um, so Joe, like there's a lot of knowledge already here. I really like for us to take something, um, something away that we can practice. And so one of the things that we were talking about before we got on was um, what you were calling yeah, emotional so resilience. Yeah. Well, yeah. emotional resilience. And um, so maybe we can just dive into that for a little bit. So the, the, the that that's a, the, to practice handling an objection or the emotion, emotional resilience aspect of it. Um, it kind of goes hand in hand. And I'll get, I mean, what, what I'll give you a tool that will, will help in that. Okay. Um, think of, think of the, the most common objection that you run into. And if it's the price objection, what you need to do is you write down the objection of what, whatever that objection is and how okay. it's thrown at you. Then what you need to do is it's a two-step process. Step one, acknowledge. So how would you acknowledge that objection? And then step two, ask a question. I mean, I can't make it any easier than this. Acknowledge, ask a question. Because what happens is, is that when we hear the objection, we get emotionally distraught. So what you need to do is with a partner or you know, whether it's on the phone, better it to, for it to be live, by the way. And this only takes, I swear to you, five minutes a day. I mean, it's, it's like brushing your teeth. If you were to do this on your biggest objection, what's going to happen is that objection is going is 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 actually never going to present itself. It's, it, I find it really interesting mm. when when we when we're emotionally prepared to hear this objection, then it seems like the objection just fades away and it never it never comes up. Or if it does come up, you'll be you'll be instantly prepared for you know what? Wow, this this programming is just way too expensive. Who, thanks for letting me know how you feel. What exactly are we comparing it to? And it's it's reprogramming your brain so that you don't have that emotional response. Now, let me be very clear. We're not taking emotion out of the picture. That's impossible. What mm -hmm. we need to do is we need to practice this. And repetition is a way to mastery. You have to practice this on a regular basis. And this is where when I tell people, hey, when you come to a workshop, this isn't pixie dust where 
you know, you come in, you suck at sales, and then you leave, and all of a sudden you're, you know, going to the Hall of Fame. I'm going to give you tools, just like I gave you right now in one brief example, that with practice, you're going to get so good at it that you will see, you, you'll see dramatic results to your sales, but it has to be ongoing because sales is a perishable skill. If you don't practice them, things go bad. And then, and then as you know, people go back to bad, to, to old habits and bad habits, no different than an exercise. This is the way I've always done it. <laughs> okay. And how's, how's that working out for you? <laughs> so, so the emotional resist, re- resilience piece, it, it really comes down to this as a salesperson and as a trainer, I, I come down to this. Find, f- write down that, that objection that, that's bu- bugging you the most. Step one, acknowledge it. Step two, ask a question. So if, again, I'm using the example of your product's too expensive. You know, then, uh, and it, it, to me, it just comes out of my mouth. It's, Thanks for letting me know how you feel. What exactly are we comparing it to? And I get a you know a variety of object- objections that come up. You know, I need to go home and talk to my wife, and that's a classic. Or I need to go talk to my significant other. Or you get, um, I want to go home and do some research. You know, that's that's they're talking to you, the expert. And I, I, I mean, so I, I want to go home and do some research. I, I really appreciate that you want to be well informed. What is it specifically that you want to research that you and I didn't get a chance to talk about today? And you know what really happens is if, if you're not prepared with those scripts, that's where the emotional reaction comes in. And then you say things that you regret later. I mean, and that's the, that's the emotional memory that you, you get all, you know, frazzled. So with practice, and this is where you start off with a script, you learn the script, and then you master it. And every master was once a disaster. If you think I know all this stuff just by, by you know, I, I learned it from other people. I learned the SOS system from some other trainer that I was working with 25 years ago. I repackaged it and repurposed it so that it works for me and my people. And now people pay me thousands of dollars to be able to have massive increments to their business. Because wow. I've, I've, I've made, I've, I've shined it up in such a way where I've made it even simpler. You can't get sure. any simpler than two steps. Well, so what are those steps, Joe? Let's talk about SOS. So, so that's exactly what I, w- I just covered with you. So the sales okay. objection system is a two-step system. It's, it is write it down, write down the, the objection. Step one, acknowledge. Step two, ask a question. Now, if there's there's exercises that 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 we'll do, for example, in a in a workshop where I call breakthrough exercises, where it's it it needs to get to get done in in the silence of a room where, and I say that whether you're a room full of, of people, whether it's six people or six hundred, and again, it's it's the question of being able to hear that little voice in your head, and the one I'm talking about is the one right now where you just had what little voice that like. <laughs> We have constantly, we're, we're always talking to ourselves and it's that little voice that, that we've been designed from inception from thousands of years ago to always keep ourselves safe. If you want to break out of your comfort zone, that's where you get into the money zone. And you know what? There's a feeling of this isn't safe. You just got to keep stretching. It's no different than when you do a stretching program and you want to be able to do the splits. You got to keep practicing and keep practicing and keep practicing. And it's not necessary. It's discomfort. It's not pain. It's discomfort. But once you get to that point, then you get 
regardless of your age, hey, guess what? I'm now able to do the splits. Well, hey, guess what? I'm now able to sell for millions of dollars worth of whatever it is that you listeners are, are selling, whether it's training or whether it's product. It's, it's actually easy. It's just a question of small gains daily. Okay, so if you're talking to a gym owner and you're saying you need to get reps, you need to develop this emotional resilience, pick one objection that you get, what exactly does that look like? Like you're saying five minutes a day, yep. are they role-playing? Are they doing it in the mirror? How does that work? If you're solo, obviously, and I mean, I, 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 my new book's called How to Be an Army of One in Sales. If you're a solopreneur, uh, then absolutely you have to do it in the mirror or on, on, the, on the drive out loud. You have to, you know, and, there's, and this is the thing. I mean, there's, there's practice. It's like having a band. You know, you and I, before the podcast started, you asked me if I was still playing music. And, and it's interesting. Occasionally, I'll get together with people and, and we'll play music together. Well, here's the thing. If you're, if, if, if you're a musician or if you're in sales with, with people, you need to practice on your own. And then when you get together with the band or your team, you rehearse. But if you haven't practiced, then your rehearsal is going to suck. And then when you go to game time or gig time or show time, you've done your practice alone, you've rehearsed with the group, and now you're out on stage and you're crushing it. That's how all the greats are great. They practice, then they've rehearsed, and then it's show time. So there's no difference in when it, when it comes to sales. Even if you're a solopreneur, you practice in the car, then at your place of business before you unlock the door, you rehearse as people are there and you're standing at your counter or your chair or wherever it is, you role play it so that it becomes part of muscle memory. And then it's game time and it will just flow. That's amazing, Joe. That is such, such a great place to leave it because I'm not sure that people understand the difference or even when we mail them a scenario deck, if they're a solopreneur, they're saying like, well, how can I do role playing? Am I going to use my dog? Um, but you're saying that, <laughs> That was a great illustration of the difference between practice, rehearsal, and uh, showtime. Showtime, so. yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, man. So, Joe, where can people learn more about Army of One and the SOS system and you? Um, you can go to J-O-E-M-A-R-C-O-U-X, as in X marks the spot.com. So, JoeMarcou.com. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Instagram at Joe underscore underscore Marcou. Uh, yes, that is two underscores. Um, those are probably the two best places. I've got um, uh, a lot more content that, that's coming out for general sales. And then um, the intent that I have for the listeners, and I'm going to put it out there so that we make, we make it happen, Chris, is that uh, we work together. I'd love to be able to have the opportunity to uh, do something for your group and um, really help level up their game. I'm, I'm really lucky that I've, I've had the opportunity from different trade associations to call me in or different manufacturers to call me in for their annual dealer meetings. And, and it's not just about sales. It's also about coaching. It's about consulting and, um, and, and motivation. That's all part of it. Zig Ziglar, who I've seen live when I was younger, used to say that motivation is like bathing. You've got to do it daily. And, um, and so <laughs> is your sales practice. You've got to do it daily if you want to excel. That's awesome, Joe. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing a little bit of knowledge and some, some advice for gym owners, man. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I hope to get a chance to come to back in the future. Absolutely. Right on, Coop. Thank you for listening to Two Brain Radio. I'm Chris Cooper, and I'm here every Thursday. Every Wednesday, Sean Woodland brings you the best stories from the fitness community. And every Monday, we'll bring you marketing tips and success stories from our clients. 
Please subscribe to Two Brand Radio and share this show with any friends we can help.